0: Well, hey there, guys and girls. Welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode sixty-one of the show where geeks talk about God, and God followers talk about geek
1: stuff, mainly board games. My name's Luke Tomorrow, and I'm hoping that we do this in one seamless take that I do not have to edit, otherwise known as Mike Perna.
0: <laughs>
1: Only one is perfect. Uh Mike, uh, are you still tired? Of course, I'm still tired.
0: I'm not. Are you, are you? It's it's been two weeks, or a week. How long has it been? It's
1: been just about a week.
0: So, uh, tell us about your epic gaming
1: session for goodness. <laughs> okay, so if you if you didn't see the bonus content that I put out, and you haven't been seeing the gobs and gobs of posts on every form of social media, I I was part of an event called Extra Life, which is, happens every year and they team up with the Children's Miracle Network to raise money for local children's hospitals all over the country by having teams sign up to play games. Now, apparently this event started with a bunch of guys who got together and played video games, but it has since expanded. It has reached any type of game that you could imagine. And we uh, at Team Game Store Profits East decided that we were going to play board games and card games for 25 hours to raise money. Yes,
0: because it happened that it fell on the uh, Daylight Savings Time turning on or off. I forget which one it is. We fell
1: back. We had an extra hour in the day there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we played games for the Children's Specialized Hospital in uh, here in New Jersey, and we raised just under $1,400 dude that is
0: incredible,
1: so yeah that's
0: amazing your your goal was insane it was like a thousand
1: yeah my goal my goal was a thousand dollars
0: and you blew past that that's awesome
1: it, it started off i I didn't think we were gonna do anything and then uh I said you know what let we were at i think we we were at like three hundred dollars and I said you know what Let's lower the goal to 500. That way the team members can feel like we accomplished something. It'll be great. And I was an idiot for doing that. Um because, you know, at some point I I sent out a message that just said why should, why did I doubt and I put the goal back. Um I actually was asleep when we broke the the original goal of $1000 because uh, I was utterly unconscious when a when the person made the donation, so it was it was a lot of fun. Check out the bonus content if you want to get you know hear me do more philosophically like all the all of the feels about doing mm-hmm. this. But yeah, well, no- we
0: definitely need to to get to the fact that you guys did some awesome work. I- that's that's great. You did a special episode about that. Yep. Now let's talk about the good stuff. <laughs>
1: Let's get down to the nuts and bolts of the event. <laughs> so what'd you play? What'd you do? What was uh talk talk to me about it? Uh the very first game I taught uh but... what do you think Android Netrunner? No, it wasn't actually because Oh, that's that's like a miracle right there. No, Netrunner is a it's not a super easy game to get into. No, it is not. It's not. It's not a comp- it's not pick up and
0: pl- It's not pick up and play.
1: No, it's not a complicated game. But it's not like beer and pretzels, let's figure this out. It, it takes some doing. So I wanted to wait until either my wife or my brother stopped by. Because I've already played with them, and they know how to play. Right. And so I wanted to wait on that. The first game we played was Ascension. Okay. A, a deck-building game. An incredibly fun deck-building game. And, and also very simple. I, I was talking about it with some people... And I said, I love this game because it's so easy. Well, oddly enough, one of the guys from from Game Church messaged me, and he's like, "I've been looking into this game. Is it really as easy as as they say?" And I go, "Well, let me just put it this way: It's eight o'clock in the morning. I just taught three people how to play it, and I came in last." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's a, yeah, that that was a ton of fun. That was it was great to. To teach, teach people a new game that none of them had ever even heard of before, let alone played, and they just whooped on me. I, I was out of my element, apparently. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, it's, I can't remember which... Uh, after that, I think, we did end up getting to Netrunner because my brother showed up. And he actually stayed a while. He wasn't on the team, he just didn't have anything to do, and he was in town... And I begged him to come and bring his Netrunner cards, because <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't hear this, um, my brother got his Christmas present extra early, because entirely selfish reasons. One, because I hate shopping for Christmas presents and I, I just loathe it. And two, yeah. because uh, I, I went to the, the our friendly local gaming store and picked up a, a box set, you know, the, the, the core set of the game. Right. And I said, all right. I walked up to my wife and I said, here's the deal. This set is either for you, or it's my brother's Christmas present. (laughs) So she said that she didn't want a full game, she just liked playing the one set of cards, and so I gave it to him. We played a handful of those games, and uh, yeah, I, I love this game. I love Netrunner so much, I'm not gonna lie, I love Netrunner so much. I'm so pissed at myself for not getting into this when it first came out.
0: Well, you know, there are some advantages. Oh, there you are. You don't have to feel like you
1: need to stay on the cutting edge now. Oh, no, that I I have bought 3 of the 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 tiny little $15 things that they do. I I've right. kind of pasted it out like since I bought the original mm-hmm. game, I'm like, you know what, I'll wait a couple of weeks, get paid again, then <laughs> and then buy a data pack. It's it's a little present for me. Um, but really, I, I'm discovering that the, the data packs and the expansions and stuff, nothing is a game breaker. It's not like, buy this or you'll lose every time. There really isn't right. anything in these things that is going to drastically destroy or build up your game. It really is all about But it does flavor. add variation. Yeah, it's variation it in flavor. It extends
0: the playability of the game.
1: Yeah, it's variation in flavor. In fact, one of the reasons I bought the one data pack was because there one of the corporations is it's called the the Gentechi corporation and their whole thing is just slaughtering runners like every like they have they have one of their their defensive things is called neural katana <laughs> and i i bought this one uh one of the data packs because it has a different ID card, but I digress. I could I could spend this and spin this into a netrunner episode, and and none of us want that. And anyway, if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna you be the guys it. at Rolling Dice and Taking Names because those guys apparently love it even more than I do.
0: They do like the game.
1: Oh, I've I've been picking Marty's brain like crazy. My Twitter has lit up with Marty. What? Which one should I pick? I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think he's just like like shut up, Mike. Seriously.
0: It's worked out pretty good for me. Uh, the Dice Tower Video Channel has been doing a literally a card by card review of the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game. Oh yeah, I saw. It I started saw a couple like of those. right about the same time that I got the game. So that's pretty cool. Like you know, when you get the whole deck of cards, you kind of look at them like, oh, uh, what do I do with all these? And so that's pretty cool for them to be going through through each each of the four decks and kind of hey, these are some
1: good cards that have synergies. This is a card you should just throw away. This is a great <laughs> card, you know. This one is worthless. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, another game that I played, I'm, i was super happy to play it because, again, not... I try to avoid the really complicated games because I like seeing games come to the table. So I try to avoid the, the hyper-complex ones, but there's a nice... It's a nice mid-level. Like, you come to the table, you've... You might take like 10 or 15 minutes to figure it out, but once you do, it's going to be awesome. And that's City of Remnant. And, okay. and I've mentioned it... I think i mentioned I've it... I've not when, played this game, so... I mentioned it when I, uh, at Gen Con, because it was one of my Gen Con purchases. And uh, basically, the, the, the concept of this game is that each one of you picks a gang. And it, it's up to four players, and you're trying to make the best of a bad situation pretty much because there's this alien race called the you guy and the hey, you guy, uh... <laughs> I'll even allow it. Uh, yeah. I- I've heard, so- I've heard so many bad jokes about what, you know, the you guy and everything like that. But, um, these guys come and just conquer like whole worlds. And they dump the leftovers in this city and say, all right, try to play nice.
0: How very Assyrian of them. Yeah,
1: and so these guys... You're basically trying to be the gang who runs the city.
0: Dude, I just made an Assyrian joke, and you didn't blink.
1: Moving on. All right, continue. All right, um... So... We were playing this game, and it was great because one of the guys that was playing was a buddy of mine from church. And he he didn't know anything about the kind of board games that exist. He had heard about like the possibility that, that games like this were out there. But he's the sort of guy who, when I asked him, what games have you played, his response was, well, I do all video gaming and stuff. I go, I said, no, what, what other stuff? Like, what tabletop stuff? And he goes, Monopoly and Risk. And I, I remember just putting my hand on his shoulder and saying, I have a world of things to show you.
0: Let me show you the way, child.
1: And uh, it was him, and he brought his, his 12-year-old son, and I feel kind of bad because his son now has a Christmas list that includes an awful lot of the games that he played. <laughs> Sorry, sir, and
0: these uh, cost more than Monopoly and Risk. Whoops. Sorry.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, but it was really fun to see him him get into it, and uh, it ended up being this was a, a every time i was teaching somebody something they ended up doing really well um it came down to this guy cj and my brother and my brother won but only by like 6 or 7 points and so it was it was really really fun there was some really tense moments um yeah it's such a great game and i i really enjoy it but i will it it is a game that you know, I'll probably have to wait until I get events like this. Maybe next time I run, like, the church game night or something, I'll have to, to get it out. Because
0: so, speaking of games like that, right? These kind of... Because, look, let's be honest. There's the games that are like Ticket to Ride, Catan level. Mm-hmm. They are hobby games, but anybody can pick them up on the first go. Right. And then there's lots of games that fit into the category of, like, you need... A 15-30 minute, like, let's get this board set up, everybody read through the rules, and we're still going to mess up the first few rounds, but we'll figure it out eventually. Right. Level. Have you seen the reviews slash previews of the new game
1: called Caverna? Uh, is that the one that's supposed to be, like, the new Agricola? Yeah, it's Agricola 2, essentially. I haven't heard anything of it other than the fact that people are going nuts for it. Oh my goodness. I cannot
0: imagine a game with more parts, pieces, options. Like, I played a lot of games, and I looked at this and went, "It's too much."
1: Have you ever seen Have you ever seen a box of Agricola?
0: Oh, I know, but it's you know, it's it's that like on steroids.
1: That's insane. You know,
0: it's you've got. Well, the thing is about Agricola, right? Is there's a lot of buildings.
1: For, for those of you who don't know, Agricola is basically a board game about making a farm.
0: Right. And this is a board game about being dwarves building a kingdom underground.
1: It, we um, all know about our love for all things dwarf. W-
0: we do. And it's the one thing that's drawing me to this game. But the box, first off, makes Agricola look small. So it doesn't have nearly as many buildings as Agricola. But in addition to raising buildings, you're raising different kinds of... Of vegetables to feed your workers you are also raising like five or six different kinds of animals uh, you are mining for rubies you are arming your people going on quests defeating monsters all of these things happening at the same time while other people are making moves as well and I think it's almost like it got to the point where everybody was like, you know what? We're tired of competing over various resources in these worker placement games, so we're just going to let you do whatever you want for 12 turns, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. Because it's insane how much you can do with this game. There's like, I looked at it and went, you can't even think of a strategy. That's ridiculous. It's like people are playing different board games at the same time. Uh, But everybody who's played it has said, this is amazing. So I'm really hoping somebody will drop all of the giant piles of money to (laughs) buy it and bring it to our game group so that I can play it. Unfortunately, our game group only meets for three hours. So... And what they're saying is at least a half an hour per player. Yikes. So, yeah. But... uh, so there you go. I think we do have at least uh, you know some new levels of complexity uh, arriving. So what else did you play?
1: Uh, what else did I play? I ended up playing. I, I've lost track. But I mean, by the end of the day, I was. Eh, you know, you're a little foggy. By the end of right? the day, I was. I was the only one conscious, and I was playing Ticket to Ride on my uh, tablet, just because somebody needed to be playing something. Uh, <laughs> I will say this. Probably my. F- Marge Lobot, I will take you. Yeah, probably probably one of my my favorite just for the nostalgia of it. Like the people who were playing who didn't grow up with the game had no idea why I was so giddy about it cuz it it's not exactly an exciting board game but I was going nuts because a buddy of mine brought Hero Quest.
0: Oh no way. He brought
1: really? He brought Hero Quest. And like
0: the old like the, the vintage
1: nineteen yep. eighties smells like bathed, a I bathed toys in nineties cheese fantasy for I we only played the one level of it, so but oh my goodness, it was so good. I had forgotten how horribly cheesy and wonderful that game was. <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Well that that's uh, I think that makes besides all of the good you were able to do, that certainly makes staying up for an ungodly amount of hours worthwhile. Ah,
1: I just remembered another game that we played, which most games you're you're playing to win, even though it's like friendly competition, you're playing to win. There are a couple of exceptions. Uh, I believe I've I've said uh, in interviews we've done and on this podcast that the game Once Upon a Time should not be played to win. It's played to be experienced. Right. Well, this. This event allowed me to bust out a game that has been part of my collection for a really long time, but for one reason or another has never been able to make it to the table until this event. It is a party game. It is an incredibly simple party game, but will make you just laugh till you pass out. In fact, at one point I was literally lying on the ground laughing and just rolling back and forth because I couldn't believe what we just heard. It is a game called Snake Oil. Oh. <laughs> and what Snake Oil is, is it's you're basically given a handful of cards, and every card is a word. They're usually some kind of either a descriptive or or a noun, or... or it's a word. And... In the middle of the, the, the group of you that are playing, or there's there, there's often a judge. That, we, we came up with variants on this, but there's, there's one card that says who you're trying to sell your product to. The very first one we got was Trucker. And so what you do is, is that every person takes turns making a combination of two of their cards to make a product. Then you then have to make a sales pitch as to why the person would want to buy your particular product, um,
0: that's appropriate. A trucker, we're
1: staying up for twenty five hours playing video games. That matches. <laughs> so this, uh, the trucker eventually got sold on. Uh, one of the pr- the people actually played a truck button. <laughs> so it was basically a a all in one truck button. It made everything go with the push of just one button. It was great. Uh, truck Button, however, was up against Dreambeard and Flag Music. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that... Like, I'm proud what, to be an American. Exactly. Well, oh, at oh. least
0: I know I'm free. The, my, my friend, my friend who played Flag Music century.
1: was so happy... I'm not stopping you, am I? You're just gonna keep saying... <laughs> <laughs> but my friend who played Flag Music in his sales pitch, did use the word America like five times. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing about this game. It's so ludicrous and so ridiculous. Um, Like I said, towards the end, we we weren't keeping score or anything. I'd just just like
0: to point out, folks, just just, just in case you're not sure about this,
1: Mike lives in New Jersey. I do. Moving on. I do. And so... (laughs) at some point we decided we were just going to play this game until it stopped being fun, which meant we played it for like an hour and a half. <laughs> um, And at the end of it, we're like, we just can't, we can't just end. We, we've we got to have a, like a thing. <laughs>
0: we got to go out with a
1: bang. And so what we did was we did uh, knock out Survivor Snake Oil. Nice. Where what we did... You voted the worst one off the island, did you? Exactly. And so, and we did Blind Draw Survivor Snake Oil. Where the customer was the same for every person, but each person had to take the top two cards off the deck without <laughs> having looked at them previously. Um, my, I think my favorite one that, that happened to me was, uh, I was one of three people that were left for the blind draw, and it was the, the customer was a pirate, and I, and I got tongue patch.
0: <laughs> yes, that's awesome.
1: So I mean the, the game was just ludicrous and the fact that we started playing it at like 11 o'clock after some I can't even remember how many hours of gaming we we'd been doing at that point. And so it was over it was over 12 hours at that point and and we started playing snake oil, which was just awesome. I think we played a game of, of Quelf at two in the morning. I'm, which is exactly the perfect time when Quelf should be played. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, very good. So- sounds like you had a good time. Oh, we had a blast. It was so much you did fun.
0: Good, you did good work. I, on the other hand, was up tending a fire thinking about you playing games. Aww. But, you know, such is work sometimes. Um,
1: you know, and uh, are, are you going to do it again next year? Oh, Absolutely. Awesome. Are you kidding awesome. me? That was fantastic. I, I may have to invest in a few more uh, energy drinks, and right. <laughs> and make every sure every year it
0: gets a little harder. And make sure and, that and, I have. And to think about it, you, you, you thought, wait a minute, I'm doing this board game ministry thing now. I'm not doing this youth ministry thing right now. How come I'm having to pull overnighters?
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm still having so that. No, I
0: know what your sleep schedule's like. It's not really all that different than your regular
1: life. Yeah, but th- now I have to deal with the fact that I woke up the night, ne- well, I didn't wake up the next morning, I, I fell asleep the next morning, and, and had to deal with the look that my wife gave me of, was, do you know that you just did something stupid? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs>
0: not at all. And you know what they say? And it is true.
1: Ignorance is bliss. Yep. And I got a t-shirt out of it, so that's good.
0: Hey. Who doesn't like a (laughs) T-shirt? You know, unfortunately, I have not played, I don't think, any games uh, other than uh, some stupid little iPhone games since we last talked. Uh, You know, so we moved recently. I think I mentioned that on the last episode. Yes. And, of course, anybody who's ever moved knows just how intense that process is. What you never remember and you never think about is the, like, weeks and weeks afterwards where everything you own is in a box in the wrong room.
1: And you're slowly figuring <laughs> out which box has the thing that you needed yesterday.
0: Uh, right, and where everything goes and, like, you're just like, where's the tape? I need tape! Or whatever it happens to be. So that's what stage in life we're at right now. But but this whole moving process actually got me talking, thinking about a topic we've never talked about on this show. I was uh, unpacking a box and it started pulling out our board games. Not my board games, our board games, the family board games, the board games that have been around forever. The board the... games
1: that existed before you knew board games was a thing.
0: Right. Uh, the I guess you would call them non-hobby board games, mainstream board games, and I was putting those away. and My kids had never even seen them before. Okay? My kids have played, you know, castle panic they play the Harry Potter customizable card game without me they just build decks and play on their own and yeah you know they they like hobby games but I'm starting to pull out these games and they're like well how can we never play these ones cuz you know it's a game in a box as far as they're concerned it's the same thing so i thought maybe we'd go and talk a little bit about some of the games we played or maybe still play or maybe we don't play anymore uh but the kind of games that you find at Toys R Us at Target, well, you know, apart from the rise of the the hobby game, the kind of games that have been around forever, made by people like
1: Hasbro and Mattel and Milton Bradley, Um, and uh, maybe have a conversation about that. And give me another opportunity to have a bunch of our listeners be upset with me when I say that I hate games like Monopoly and Risk. (laughs) All right, we we can get there.
0: So, uh, I'll be honest, and... Uh, you know, I don't play too many of these games. There are a couple that I do still play, but uh, I was thinking about it and thinking about, okay, well, what were some of the games that I played a lot growing up? Of course, there's was Monopoly. Uh, my sister and I, we had another game that was very similar to Monopoly. It was a Monopoly-esque type game, but um, I think it was called Solar Quest.
1: That sounds right. vaguely familiar.
0: And uh, it was basically, it was our solar system, and you're buying planets and moons.
1: Yeah. Oh my! And the pieces were little rockets. I remember this game.
0: Yes, and we loved that. We played that all the time. Uh, we played that kind of took over Monopoly for us. Um, but you know, we played games like Trouble.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the 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 You can't. Yeah. It, at its we core, played, it's such a silly game, but you can't deny the awesomeness of the Pop-O-Matic. It It is true, but the thing is, is Trouble really was Trouble. Because
0: you always pissed off your sister. <laughs> Every time you played. Um, so those ones... Uh, there was a game called Adventure. Uh, I think it was called Adventure. It was like a big mountain. And you'd go up and down the mountain and like rocks would fall down. And things like that would happen and bridges would break and fires would explode. Oh,
1: I remember one. It's a similar concept. It was called Fireball Island. Fireball Island, that's what it was. Fireball <laughs> Island. Oh my goodness. Where where you actually had marbles that would go zipping down little little rails and if it hit your and thing. And only
0: like once in every like ten plays would they actually hit something?
1: Yeah. Well there was several times like the one they said was was, oh the the marble will hit this bridge and it'll explode and it shows it in the commercial, and the, boom, everything's flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and the guy goes flying through the roof. Yeah. yeah. It, I don't know about you, Luke, but every time I did it, the guy would be like, Ear! and yeah, and or, the guy would the, just be the, standing there looking at it, and so we'd be like, no, you have to, your guy's gone.
0: <laughs> or it would it it would hit the, uh, the marble would hit the bridge and kind of get jammed. Yep. It wouldn't actually knock the bridge down. Yep. Yeah, that, that happened for us. Quite a lot,
1: uh, right up there with uh, Mousetrap for it. yeah, cool concept that horribly does not work.
0: I I don't think I
1: ever actually played the game Mousetrap. We just built the mousetrap.
0: We just built the mousetrap and tried to make it work and never really could.
1: There was one time. There was one time I actually we had to sit myself piece. down to read the instructions to Mousetrap, and I go, "This is an awful game." <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yeah, you know, games like that. Of course, you know, we played a little bit of chess, a little bit of checkers. Played a game called King's Court. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've
1: never heard of that one.
0: It was a checkers variation. Uh, Played a lot of that. Um, Life. Uh, Played a lot of life growing up. Um, You know, I don't remember too many other board games. I guess we had Battleship, we had Connect 4.
1: I remember many, many a competition of Connect four,
0: yeah, um, and then we had other things like concentration, it's not really a board game, yeah, but kind of um you know, and uh operation, also not really a board game, but kind of sold in that same part of the store, right, um so yeah, those are some of the ones that I played growing up, and I don't play any of them now, my kids play life on occasion, but they've never played Monopoly. My kids are 10 and 8, never played Monopoly. Um, Scrabble. Always a classic. My kids just figured out what Scrabble was. Uh,
1: (laughs) It's analog words with friends.
0: uh, I know. Uh, But yeah, my kids have never really played any of those kind of classic-y board games. Were there any that I I didn't mention that you played growing up as a kid?
1: Well, you You mentioned Risk. Monopoly and Risk. Were, were the it, In my childhood, were just the staples. Um, See, I never played Risk as a kid. Oh my goodness, I played Risk all the time. I actually played Axis and Allies before I played Risk. Wow. And it makes a lot of sense that you're now a tabletop wargamer. <laughs> if Axis and Allies was before Risk for you. Um, no, I, I played that. I played... Um, we had some little games, like Parcheesi, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I remember Sorry. Um, however, at the same point, even back then, even before board games were a thing, even before the hobby really kicked in, I think my dad must have acknowledged that he had, you know, three incredibly nerdy children on his hands. Mm. Um, because I played games like Hero Quest and... Oh my goodness, we were just talking about this. Uh, A buddy of mine had another team for Extra Life, and he was going to play a midnight game of the game Nightmare. I don't remember this at all. Nightmare was a game. It came with, well, when I was playing it, a VHS tape. Oh, yeah! And what it was, is that there was this guy who kind of came on the screen, and he was called The Gatekeeper. Mm Mm-hmm. And he kind of his role in this game was to make your life miserable. Every person was playing like one of the typical monsters. There was a werewolf, a, a Frankenstein's monster, a vampire, a zombie, no, yeah, Baron Media Mummy. was a zombie. And like 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 the typical monsters. Right. And the whole idea was that your monster was trying to escape the monster world and go into, you know, the real world as it were. But the gatekeeper didn't want you to do that, and so you had to collect all these keys and make your way into the the gate before the gatekeeper locked it. And but every once in a while, he would just shout for no good reason and just call one of you out. He'd make you do something ridiculous, like you like. And every time he called, he he called you, you had to respond, "Yes, my gatekeeper," or you'd lose everything. He, like. Oh my goodness, it was so ridiculous. I actually found on YouTube, um, somebody had taken all of the Gatekeeper's stuff, all the videos, and put it up on YouTube, and just strung them back to back. So good.
0: <laughs> nice. I think I posted yeah, were, it in the Facebook kind of a, group. <laughs> there was kind of a crop of those for a while there. Um, this is not a board game, but I remember I had this like super cool... It was like a space fighter jet thing with two giant red lights attached to it, and there would be a video playing on the TV, and you'd shoot at it, and the red lights, I guess, would, I don't know, see something that the screen was emitting and tell you whether you hit it or not. At the time, I thought that was the most amazing thing (laughs) ever. Uh, Though, somehow, for whatever reason, your description of that reminded me of a game that I did play a lot as a kid, and I would totally play now. And that is Clue.
1: Oh, yeah. Clue's one of the few Uh, classics that I would say that while it's not in my collection, I wouldn't be opposed to having it.
0: Yeah, I think Clue almost kind of bridges the gap a little bit. You know, I mean, I I could feel a little bit of uh, uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill in Clue, or a little bit of uh, maybe Elder Sign or something like that. Well, if you really want
1: to get the games that, that are like Clue... Uh, and this is the big thing with a lot of these classic games. It's why I can say things like, I, I refuse to play Monopoly and Risk anymore. Because there are games that do it better.
0: That's true. Um, That's
1: true. Clue is good. But it, the annoying thing about Clue is, is every once in a while it's roll. I rolled a 2. It takes me 6 to get to that next room. So I'm not doing anything. Um, there's games like Sleuth, um, Scotland Yard, Letters right. from Whitechapel. Yeah, I remember Scotland Yard. These are games that are, are still very deduction. You're trying to figure out who somebody is or where, they go, where they're trying to go or where they've been. And it's just a much more interesting game where you're always involved.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so we played a lot of those games as kids. Though, as I got a little bit older, there was kind of the other... I don't know. the the There was a shift, I think. Uh, you know, maybe in the line nine, early nineties, maybe, to uh, the kind of I guess you might call them these days party games. Yeah. Games like um, the first one that I remember was Categories. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if you remember Categories. Uh, had a big twenty-six sided die on it, and you'd you'd roll it, and you'd have to fill out a series of categories based on whatever letter comes up on the dice um, so we played that Pictionary win loser draw um, games like that that have kind of evolved in games like taboo and apples to apples and um, say anything mm-hmm. things like that um, so there were a lot of those kind of party yell out you know, basically just take offs on charades kind of games. Um and then there were a whole lot for a while there a whole lot of like trivia type games.
1: Oh, Trivial Pursuit being the granddaddy well, of all.
0: Trivial Pursuit of course being the granddaddy of all. Of course nobody would ever play Trivial Pursuit. Because it was so hard. Because I'm smarter than them.
1: <laughs> and, and so <laughs> humble. So
0: humble. I am. I am. Hey, I, I may not have very many skills, but my mind is a steel trap for random information. If you're, okay. looking, if you're looking for, you know,
1: further evidence, <laughs> I cite earlier in this episode when you made an Assyrian joke.
0: <laughs> it was a funny Assyrian joke, too. <laughs> is there any other kind? Uh but so games like that uh, i think the 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 big daddy of those ones for me was a game called cranium yep uh we really enjoyed cranium cranium had a lot of different categories which let people you know it wasn't just trivia you might have to make something or draw something or so it had enough variety that people could kind of do whatever they wanted to do um we also spent uh, kind of at our young married age a lot of times playing a game, what was the game called? Uh, I think it was like Battle of the Sexes or something like that, where it's basically guys against girls and, you know, a whole lot of stupid stuff.
1: And yeah, that <laughs> so sounds about right. There,
0: there, there, were, uh, there was a whole lot of those. Um, what about you? Do you guys
1: have any kind of family games that you play like that, party games? Not really. I think if we were going to play any kind of party game... It usually ended up being, like, one of your typical, like, old-school card games. Okay. Like, we played a lot of... I don't know if it has an actual name or not, but we always called it just Sevens. Uh, it's a game where, basically, you have to play a seven of a particular suit, and you can either build up or down. It's like a, tr-
0: a trick-taking game kind of a thing? No,
1: because what what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep playing cards... Because this was a game that we've played for New Year's for years. New Year's Eve, for the longest time, the family would do this. We would play sevens. Everybody would bring in jars of pennies. Because if you couldn't play a card, you had to pitch a penny. And if you had gotten rid of all of your cards, you collected all the money. Okay. So the kids loved this. We would save up our pennies all year for for playing sevens. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, know, my family were also real big. I mean, we, we... I lost track of how many times I've played Gin Rummy in Power Outages. Okay. So, I mean, we... we...
0: Actually, that's another game as uh, Rummy Cube. My wife and I have played, again, Power Outages. It's just
1: a ton of Rummy Cube. (laughs) Yeah, and then we found all the better games.
0: Yeah, well, uh, but, you know, the nice thing about Rummy Cube is you can be completely brain-dead and still enjoy that game. Well, yeah. Like, you know, my wife and I, it's the kind of game that, like, if we go skiing, we'll take that with us. Because uh, at the end of the day, when you're completely exhausted, and, you know, you're you're up in some mountain cabin, and so there's no television, and it's like, you don't even have the brain
1: power to read a book, you can play Cube. <laughs> one of the most ridiculous games, I can't remember which one of my family members got it for us, but one of the most ridiculous games I ever played was a game called Pass the Pigs. Oh, I love Pasta Pigs! And you were literally rolling two pigs pigs with dots on their stomachs. And depending on how they ended up was how many points you got.
0: That's right, man. You get the double jowler. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And Uh, I I just remember thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous, but I can't stop playing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and now when you go to buy Pasta Pigs, there's all these nice versions of it. Back in the day, it was just a couple of plastic pigs. Uh, yeah, yeah, but games like that, you know, just to, I I think you're right. A lot of that is, you know, kind of the power outage, uh, you know, you live in a place where in the winter, the, you know, here it's wind, I I don't know, maybe it's snow where you live or, or torrential downpour or whatever, Yes, but, (laughs) uh, you know, it, it fills some of that time. Um, so now here's the big question. Do we still have a place for all that kind of stuff in our life? Should I, should I merge my two board game cabinets? The one way in the back of the house with the games, the old games, Taboo, and, and Trivia Pursuit Scoot, and Scattergories, and Monopoly, and all those games with all my good games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I, you know, my, my big thing about you this... You made a strong point my... when you said there's better games. That that's just the thing like I don't think I would hate those old games to a point where I would say get rid of them like banish them from your home but every time somebody's like oh let's play Monopoly I'm like I could name three games that are way better than Monopoly at doing what Monopoly does or let's play Risk oh dear lord can we please not play Risk and spend eight hours playing a game that's always going to end with whoever takes Australia first I you know I they're just I I find myself f- listing off like three to five games that do whatever those old games did way better. Like let's take for example when I, when you said Clue, I'm like Scotland Yard, Sleuth, you know Letters from Whitechapel. They're all deduction games, and they all do it better than Clue. Right, but you know. I- I I mean, I do think there is
0: something to be said about the accessibility of these other games. They're games that everybody knows. Um, And so they may have that role of, you know, maybe you're not playing with people, like, you're not playing with your family. Maybe you're playing with just some, you know, a new small group at church or or whatever. Just people that you kind of know. You know, and who maybe aren't going to be super thrilled when you pull out Munchkin, you know, or or whatever. (laughs) Uh, And they're going to look at you like you're a little weird when you pull out, like we were talking about earlier, Agricola, and be like, here's a game with 700 pieces! No one should
1: ever pull out Agricola to people who don't understand they're playing (laughs) Agricola. That's just
0: stupid. (laughs) Uh, You know, but at the same time, I do think a game like Ticket to Ride, anybody can be like, yep, I can do this, let's play. You know, Um, and... So, I don't know. I'm a little bit torn. I I mean, I definitely think there's a reason why the kind of party games came into vogue there for a while. I think our entire generation went, we're done playing Monopoly. (laughs) Okay? Because nobody's ever finished a game of Monopoly, and there's been 10 million played. And we're just... no.
1: And none of us have played it correctly.
0: Yes, that's true. And we all cheat, every one of us. That's the whole purpose of being an older sibling, is to cheat at Monopoly. <laughs> and It's really the... its I mean, you get the short end of the stick, being the older sibling. I mean, you, every, the, the younger kid gets everything better. You know, they get... They don't have to... The parents make all the mistakes on the first kid. So at the very least, you get to cheat at Monopoly and life. <laughs> you know? Uh, but I think that even a game like Power Grid... Um, is you know a better choice than Monopoly, so I thought maybe what we might do is go through a couple of those games you might have in your book, in your cabinet, and replace them. Okay. With something better, uh, you've already mentioned a few. You mentioned Clue. Uh, you mentioned. Uh, well, let let's go let's go with the uh, Big Daddy Monopoly. I actually have a really hard time replacing Monopoly. Um. Because Monopoly is. I mean I I guess it's it's kind of uh area control game I guess. I suppose that's what it is technically,
1: right? Yeah, but I I would think that there's there's games um I don't really have a lot of these mostly because it's not my particular style of game, but <laughs> mostly
0: because I still have a disdain for Monopoly. <laughs> I I do have a disdain
1: for Monopoly. Um but I think it's just really not my my particularly favorite style of game. But there are games like uh, Suburbia, there are games like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I've seen, there are games out there that do that whole obtaining property so that someone else would have to do things for you kind of kind of mechanic that doesn't involve roll and move, get screwed, because that one time somebody landed on Park Place out of 50. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, you know so i think i don't know some of these games are, are are difficult to replace directly and they're they're really difficult to replace directly
1: with entry level games oh I, I i will i will buy that but then again if you really look at monopoly the at its core it's roll dice go here buy this but I mean, that's I mean, not a lot of games that that's not monopoly be, be
0: though
1: the thing that Monopoly is, is that game lasts about maybe two or three rounds. Then it becomes how do I weasel you out of that property that you need? Or that Yeah, it's just it's attrition at that point. It's 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 auctioning, it's it's bartering, it's there and there's a lot of games that do that a lot better. Yeah, well, um,
0: What is uh, Tom Vassell's favorite? Cosmic Encounter? Cosmic Encounter. I hate that game. (laughs) I hate it. Okay. Eric Summerer, I'm right with you. Tom's wrong. Okay. Uh, What about Risk? What about Risk?
1: Oddly Um, enough, I mean, there's a handful of, of games that I could list, but I think the biggest one for me would just be to do Risk Legacy. Okay.
0: I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it could not do a game where i was supposed to rip up cards or draw on the board or i can't do it
1: well okay it's like it's like tearing a page out of the bible i can't do it <laughs> i can't do it <laughs> uh if if risk if risk legacy isn't your thing there are other risk variants out there that do all the greatness that you know that people like in risk that That's doesn't true. take i've literally played games of risk that were 10 hours long
0: might as well play Axis and Allies.
1: Exactly. There, you might as well play a bunch of different say, games. I
0: would say, if you want to do that, play Memoir 44.
1: Oh, I love Memoir 44.
0: Memoir for, It's not quite the same game, but it is force on force, uh, and it has hexes, and I love hexes. So.
1: <laughs> that I remember. I remember. I, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to play this. I would love to, but apparently, there's a variant of Memoir 44 where you're, it's called Overlord. And what it mm-hmm. what happens is is that you're playing teams of three on three, and you can but you have a general. Yeah, and you can only hand one person a card, and the other person you can't talk to this round. So they have no idea what they're going to get. They have no idea what the plan is. So it
0: it kind of mimics the the realities of field communication in World War Two. Right. Uh, World War Two. World War One. I? I don't remember. Two. I think it's World War Two, right? Um, and well, forty-four. There you go. Must have been World War Two. Yeah, and uh, so so there are games that are are like that, but but you know, I think what it is, what the big differentiation is, is the track. All of the games that we're talking about that we kind of don't like, they had a track, uh, a track you had to move along and go around every turn. Or every round, or whatever, you know, whether it's the square on the outside of of Monopoly, or the the winding track through life, or even the the board on uh, Trivia Pursuit, or or Trouble, or uh, Sorry, you know, they they all kind of the deal was like you you roll dice and move along the track. And I think that's the one thing that that you don't enjoy because you don't feel like you have a chance, of, a sense of choice.
1: Right? It's not so much you know, you, strategy as, okay, this is what I, I have, what do I do with it?
0: In, in a way, the game almost plays out itself. And you may have a few choices to make along the way, but you don't feel like you're in control. What you'd rather have is feel like you're in control, but occasionally the game screws with you. You know? Uh, and th- that the game uh, you know, gives you a twist that you aren't expecting. And I, I kind of... I almost think that the spiritual life follows a very similar path. Okay? Because we start off as new believers and boy, what we want more than anything and what we are are striving for is a path, a track that we can follow. You know, whether it's, you know, the the, uh, the purpose-driven life or whether you're going to sit down and you're going to read my utmost for highest every day of the year or fill in the blank, whatever the program might be at your church, we need that, right? We need that guidance to say you don't you don't need to make too many choices here. Just take the steps, take the steps and you're gonna be okay. But, you know, you get a little bit farther on in your spiritual life and you kinda realize this track is a good thing, it's great and all, but but I I'm a little bit more mature now. I have a little bit more wisdom. I think I'm ready to start making some of my own choices here. And and see if this story might unfold a little bit differently for me than it does for you, Mike, or for you know my other brother who uh, is, is walking his own path, and you know so I kind of wonder if if we kind of learn in the same way we learn board games and graduate to the the hobby board games if we kind of learn our faith in that way and graduate to a a more uh, responsible uh maybe a little bit harder faith as we begin to take more uh control over our own spiritual journeys and make more choices about how we're going to live our lives
1: well i definitely think there's a lot of of similarities in there especially in the 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 whole aspect of of growth and and coming from one place to another and i you know i will argue again cuz you know, once the world of board gaming opened up to me and the, and the good people of Germany showed me how awesome board gaming could be. Um, I, I would say that there was a, p- a point of ignorance for me for a good long while of, of what a board game could be. And I thought that all a board game would ever be is roll and move, roll and move, roll and move, roll and move. And, you know, for a while there, I was quite content to just roll and move, roll and move, roll and move because that's all i thought there was and so it, it, in my faith too there's a point where you're like okay do this do this don't do this don't do this you you do that because that's what you know is 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 out there what you know is available it's it's a line of of do this and don't do this and you know you'll be happy and god will be happy and everything will be fantastic but then after a while you start realizing that Oh, so there are other options and there are other things that can be done here and there are a whole world of possibilities and sometimes they're great and sometimes they stink and sometimes you have to deal with the hard things and sometimes you're confronted with blessings that you had no idea where they came from and and there's good, bad and indifferent that will hit you from lots of different angles and all of a sudden you start wondering, okay, well, where does my faith come from? Where does my faith dwell in all this stuff? And you start, like, the short version is, if you'd asked pre-college me, the kid who just got saved, and and compared him to, you know, 33 post-seminary, post-not-being-able-to-get-a-job get me, and... You know, ask them to, to, to compare and contrast. It'd be completely different. It, I'm I'm not anything. My faith, my personality, my well, there is some personality similarities. I'll give you that, but but the things that I I hold true to in my faith are not the same as they were when I was seventeen. Because when I was seventeen, I was an idiot.
0: Right. Absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. And it would be the same as if you asked me when I was a little boy, would I ever stop playing Monopoly? That would have been no, of course not. We love Monopoly. Right. But there are other things. And, and you know, we've moved away from some of that that elemental teaching and, and elementary teaching and uh, moved on to something a little bit more meaty. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, and this is coming from somebody who's spent an awful lot of years in Bible college and in seminary. Uh, I'll tell you what for me is the most meaty. And what it comes down to is it comes down to issues of character. Mm. It comes down to, can I do the things that are right and good and reflect the way of Jesus every day, day in, day out? It doesn't matter how much I know. As I know a bunch, but what matters is, am I a good man? Nobody's great. Nobody's good. Nobody. Okay? Except for God. But do I live in a way that reflects my faith in Jesus? And uh, you know those questions, those really hard questions, when you look at yourself and think, "Man, today I wasn't the man I should be." That uh, that's the hard stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's not you know did I did I do my journaling today?
1: Right. It's, was I the
0: man I was supposed to be today? And so you you do you grow in maturity, you grow and. and the more you grow in the Christian faith, I find, the less you find yourself doing, and the more you find yourself trying to be. And maybe that's just my journey. Maybe other people don't feel that way. Well, I think there's for...
1: I think there's other stuff here too because, like like let's take Monopoly. Let it it it's the game, as it were, for the longest mm-hmm. time. If you were to list one game, you'd probably <laughs> list Monopoly. I had
0: imagined that if you were to go somewhere right now and look up the best-selling game of last
1: year, it would be Monopoly. Even though I have been very vocal in this episode in saying I can't stand Monopoly, it, I, I can't fault you for liking it. I can't fault anyone for liking it. No. It has its place in the history of board gaming and even currently in board gaming. Heck, they're still making different variants on on Monopoly. There's a reason they're doing that. I, I think of it kind of as my, my early days when, when it comes to walking with Christ. Like, the stuff that I did back then wasn't bad. I can't look at, you know, really trying hard to be in, in 15 different Bible studies and, and, you know, telling people about Christ even when they didn't want to hear it. And, you know... I can't look at my the stuff that I did and the stuff that I held true to as bad. No. Just I just young. Right, it was it was what I knew and I I just totally threw myself into what I knew. And it was only through discovering other stuff about about reading through the Bible with more than just a cursory look, about digging into like, the meat of stuff. And th- this isn't just even relegated to to board games either. There's a, a, an illustration that just hit the internet recently. Apparently they did an interview with Mandy Patinkin, the guy who plays Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. Hello. Yeah. My name is
0: Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare
1: to die. Well, they asked him all these years later, what's your favorite line from the movie? And he said, honestly, everybody wants me to say that line. I still get asked to say that line. He goes, but I recently re-watched it and there was a line that, I even said it, but I, I completely glossed over it, even though it was something that I said. He said, he looked into the camera and he goes, he goes, towards the end, right as you're getting to the resolution, right when you're about to get the happy ending, you hear Inigo look to Wesley and say, I have been in the revenge business so long. Now that it's over, I do not have anything left. Mm. And he goes, that is one of the most profound lines I've ever heard. And I'm just like, wow, I have, I can quote that entire movie. And I have never thought about the deep, philosophically ripping kind of connotation that is in that last line. (laughs) I just never thought about it. And and I think that's what happens with a lot of these games. Like I I think we've grown up with them to the point where we go, This is what games are. They they they're not gonna be better because they can't be. Because we just we just don't think about the fact that there, there maybe there can be other options. Maybe there can be more. And I think we do faith that way too. I mean, I even looked there was a quote that I saw earlier today. It was oddly enough from Frederick Nietzsche. And it says, "Happy guy." Yeah, really happy, bright, shiny. Um, but he sat there, and apparently his quote was something I, I don't have the exact quote in, my, in front of me right now, but it was something along the lines of, "One should not, uh, when one goes out to fight monsters, one should be careful that he not become the monster himself." Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and I found myself wrestling with this this thing and going, "Wow, I, I think the church should take." Nietzsche's advice, and that's be- oh, a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, because and I and I found myself going, "Wow, seventeen-year-old me would have never figured that out."
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, I, you know whether you want to play Monopoly or whether you're uh, into hobby board games, or maybe you've only played Monopoly and you're listening to this show, and now you want to play hobby board games. Uh, you know, we we invite you to come along on the journey. With us. I mean, after all, how many shows do you know that can make an Assyrian joke, talk about Nietzsche, <laughs> Goonies, The Princess Bride, and a VHS board game in the same hour? That's awesome. I challenge you to find another. I challenge you. And uh, you won't, I promise. And it's not because we're amazing, it's because nobody wants to spend an hour doing that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Now, I hate to do this, I really do, but I'm going to make an announcement about an announcement.
1: Oh, I'm super excited about this announcement about this announcement.
0: Next episode, we will announce the real name of Project Awesome, and it will go live two weeks from today. What? What? Project Awesome? It is real, it is happening, uh, we just had a great meeting today with the uh, with the team, uh, and we are ready to go in two weeks. I'm announcing it right now, so that way we can't procrastinate no more. Yeah,
1: th- this way make it sure it will
0: be live on November 25th. That's when it will happen, and uh, we inv- we're gonna let you know all about it on the next episode. But we are super stoked and uh, just thrilled for the awesome team that has come together uh, to put their time and energy into this. And, uh, you know, I think the team is only going to be expanding as the the site becomes live and things unfold into the future. Uh, man, good things are coming. And hopefully these our great listeners are going to be willing to come along with us and uh, be part of a bigger community and, and make some more great things happen for the glory of God.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm super stoked. We've been we've been teasing this for so long. I'm so happy that we can put a final date on it and being like it's going to happen at this point. Um the the website looks awesome, guys. It's really fantastic. Um we're working hard to put some some at least foundational content in there so that uh you guys can see what we've been up to. We have a lot of plans. We were already talking today as we were putting stuff together being like, well, we need to make sure this is built into the site so that later on when X, Y, and Z happen, we have the ability to do that without redoing the whole site. So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see this come together.
0: Absolutely. So uh, we want you to, to uh, hear about that. Of course, you can listen to the show. Uh, but maybe you don't listen to the show the day it comes out. Another great way to find out right when it happens is to hang out with us on Facebook. Facebook.com. It's changed now. Facebook.com yes. slash groups. groups slash GS profits. Uh, it,
1: it's Game Store profits. Game Store Profits. It's Facebook.com slash groups slash Game Store Profits. The reason that we're doing this and the reason what we're doing the whole groups thing is we've always said that the thing that we love about the Facebook group and the reason why we keep posting stuff to it is because we we love, like, interacting with you guys and seeing what you post and hearing what you guys comment about the stuff that we're doing. And we want to keep that going. It's, you know, when, when Project Awesome goes live, the Game Store Profits Facebook page is going to become the Project Awesome page. And so not to lose out on the Game Store Profits awesomeness. We wanted to give it its own thing. And so we wanted to do a group. And it's really cool because we're starting to see people kind of come out of their shells realizing that you guys, at at the groups, you guys have a lot more power to post stuff. And I think people are just starting to realize that. Like, even if
0: I posted something and I forgot to switch it so that it was the Game Store Profits... It got page. shoved over
1: into the corner.
0: Nobody ever got to see it, so uh, it is we've already had on the Game Store Profit page a lot of people involved and talking back and forth and posting cool stuff. Now we have even more. So uh, another way you can hook up with us is our Twitter account, and that is at
1: gs profits
0: uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can send us email at gamestoreprofits at gmail dot com. Uh, you can check out my website at com. You can follow Mike on Twitter at...
1: Mike the Bard. Mike
0: the MikeTheBard. And uh, as always, we want to remind you, it doesn't matter which game you're playing. You're playing one of them old games or one of the cool new ones. God is the Game Master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.